This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. Is it says on her business card, she is a writer of comic books and other story-shaped things. It's Jody Hauser. Hello. Hello. I have always been meaning to ask you, since I got your business card, what does uh, other story-shaped things mean to you? Uh, that means I love writing comics, and that's how I make most of my income these days, but I also want to do other things. So <laughs> okay. don't just, if it's shaped like a story, I would be interested in writing it. Okay, so it's basically saying, I write comic books. I'm, right now you're incredibly successful at writing comic books, but then you have that on your business card to say... Don't put me in a box. Yeah, I actually uh, got my degree in screenwriting, which is why, like everyone else, I moved to L.A. And then I sort of fell into comics, and I'm going to keep doing that for a long time, but also definitely want to get back into screenwriting and playwriting I used to do back in the day. Maybe a sonnet here and there. Okay. (laughs) Now, a sonnet is one of those nice things where you could just put a sonnet out into the world. I mean, you can just put a play and a screenplay out into the world, but to get them fully produced is a thing. A sonnet doesn't need to be fully produced. Although there might be a comic coming out shortly that has a sonnet as the script. Oh, really? Yes. There might be. Is yes. this a thing that you can't talk about yet? Uh, check out Mother Panic Gotham AD number three. <laughs> okay. It's our, the, the book's already been announced and comes out uh, okay. about two weeks from recording date. So okay. No, wait, next week. Next week, one week from recording date. Well, so. I can already hear Sonnet fans screaming with joy. Yay, Sonnets. Mm. It's great. And, and for, for purists, it is an Italian Sonnet. <laughs> Nice. So uh, for people who don't know you, uh, what all are you working on right now? Because you have like an impressive amount on your plate as a comic book writer. Yes, currently coming out, I have the aforementioned Mother Panic Gotham AD, which is the second uh, year of Mother Panic, which started last year in uh, Young Animal from DC. Uh, There is Thrawn, which is the Star Wars miniseries adapting Timothy Zahn's novel. Which, you know, Timothy's on key figure in so many people's Star Wars fandom, including myself. Uh, let me see. I have Starcraft coming out oh, okay. uh, this summer from Dark Horse. Uh, if you like if you like Alien, but wish it had been set in space, you might like this comic. <laughs> uh, and uh, Supergirl just wrapped up. I have Spider-Man Renew Your Vows coming out. And, oh, coming out this fall, Doctor Who from Titan. And I think that's everything that's been announced. There's stuff I can't talk about yet, Yeah, but will hopefully be announced soon. Okay. That is uh, not only impressive that you're doing all that, but that you remember all of it and that you have enough work as a comic book writer where it feels like there might be a second where you forget, oh yeah, (laughs) Spider-Man. I'm also working on Spider-Man. And I literally just turned in a Spider-Man script, so there's no excuse for that. (laughs) Well, congratulations on all your success and for taking time to do uh, the podcast. Thank you. I like, I like getting away from like my face being in a computer monitor every now and then yeah you know, and seeing I mean, the world still exists it's one of the main reasons that i do podcasts to make sure that i speak to other human beings and don't just talk to people on the internet that is, that is fair <laughs> excellent so we are going to talk about your obsession today you offered me a couple of obsessions but this one was the one i was most interested in because it's uh, fun and specific which seems like a, a good representation of who you are both fun and specific oh, thank you i think <laughs> it's meant as a compliment okay uh, and your obsession is going to be Catwoman in the 90s. Yes, because uh, <laughs> Catwoman in the 90s is technically what made me a longtime comic book reader and 
sort of led me to where I am now. Okay. So it's sort of key to uh, my career and my identity as a comics fan. Awesome. So take me back to the beginning. When you say Catwoman in the 90s, what all does that mean for you? Well, I actually have to go back even further. Please because, do. Uh, I first became aware of Catwoman as a kid watching reruns of Batman 66. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there was... Uh, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather in the movie, and then Eartha Kitt. So I think very early on, I got used to, oh, actors being recast in the same role. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe made me more appreciate stuff like Doctor Who later on. But uh, did you ever think that the that Catwoman was regenerating like Doctor Who? Did it cause that confusion? No, I think I ju- it was just like, oh, it's a different actor playing them cool. You know, I think when that happens when you're young enough, you just kind of are just like, oh, that's how TV works. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, being a little girl watching the show, I loved Catwoman and Batgirl both. Like, you know, I'd watch yeah. the opening credits and when you'd see like Batgirl and her motorcycle, you're like, yes, Batgirl episode. <laughs> uh, but because I started reading comics in the early 90s, which was around the time Batman Returns came out and uh, Batgirl was not actually present as Batgirl in the comics because this was when she was Oracle, but before Cassandra Kane came along. Uh, so Catwoman was the character I ended up latching on to just because she was everywhere at that point. Yeah, and was it that you were really looking for a woman to connect your comic book interests to? I mean, I think so. She was also really cool. Yeah. And there, because there were so many different incarnations around then that I, you know, everything I sort of just got very flooded uh, across different mediums because, you know, Batman, the animated series launched in right. 93 and I had been like super into Batman 66. And as soon as I saw the animated series and it's like dark and serious and it's not making fun of like anything, it's like this is real. And, you know, as you're a kid, you're just like, yes, this is Batman. This is real <laughs> Batman. And you're like, screw that corny stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here. You so. absolutely can. Screw that corny shit. Although I probably <laughs> said corny stuff as a kid because I didn't swear. Uh, but yeah, I just got really, really hardcore into uh, Batman the Animated Series. And of course, the Cat and the Claw was one of the first episodes they yeah. had. Whereas Batgirl didn't show up until quite a bit later. Yeah. Now, were you enough of a reader or aware of the comics that you were pining to see that darker version of Batman, Catwoman, the whole Batman world? Because that's where I was at, where you know, I loved the Batman 66 show as a kid. I had a Viewmaster with a Catwoman episode, so for a long time I would just watch that because I couldn't see the show. Uh, and then, you know, as a comic book reader, and was like, I never see, like, real Batman. And then the animated series to me was, like, real Batman. So it was the other way around for me because I didn't get into comics until after I saw Batman the Animated okay. Series. And the first comic I picked up, which is one of the only comics from the 90s that's worth a lot of money now and I don't have my copy anymore, <laughs> was uh, Batman Adventures number 12, which had Batgirl on the cover. So technically, Batgirl got me to buy my first comic. Oh, nice. But it's, uh, and it's different from her origin in the animated series because this predates it and they go with the sort of the old classic origin where she goes to a costume party dressed up as a female version of Batman and then shenanigans happen except <laughs> in this version of shenanigans it was uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn robbing the party Nice. and then Catwoman shows up in the third act and like robs the robbers and I was just <laughs> like she's the coolest okay so you were seeing uh, things from Catwoman that said she's even cooler than all the other woman characters oh yeah because she was sort of the only one who seemed like she could really go toe-to-toe with batman yeah and but she also wasn't an evil character you know she was especially 
as the 90s went along, she became more and more of an anti-hero. Yeah. And, you know, she, she was probably the most villainous in Batman 66. But then, you know, in the animated series, she's like, she's all about animal rights and protecting wildlife and the environment, uh, but not like murder all people the way <laughs> Ivy is. She's like much more sort of mainline about it uh so there was a lot you could admire there too yeah. like yeah she also just steals stuff but you know she's really good at it and we should embrace our talents so when you were a kid first reading those stories were you cognizant of all those reasons that you liked her or was it just like she's so cool and i don't know why and i gravitate toward it or were you the kind of kid who where you were analyzing like ah yes she is a good anti no I, I mean i already knew i wanted to be a writer at that point so yeah. i think i was already sort of doing preliminary like character examination and what sort of drew me to different types of characters yeah. and yeah for her it was very much uh like a level of confidence and a knowing who she was and not really letting the world define who she was going to be yeah yeah so you were saying there's a lot of different versions. Obviously, there is the uh, version in Batman Returns. There's a version in the animated series. And then there's just like a lot of different takes on Catwoman and her origin in the 90s, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the first comics I read, which is something that I was definitely way too young to read when I read it, <laughs> was a collection called uh, Catwoman, Her Sister's Keeper, which uh, I'm not actually sure when it came out, but the original miniseries it collected came out in 89, and it tied into uh, Batman Year One. Right. So it just, like, emphasized the whole, like, she's a prostitute even more, except they added that, and she's getting assaulted by her pimp, who then assaults her non-sister, and, like... The treatment of woman characters is not super great. Yeah. And uh, and it was written by a woman, Mindy Newell. But, uh, you know, as a kid, there was a lot of the stuff sort of went over my head yeah. about, like, the rape aspects and everything, which yeah. is, you know, probably for the best because, you know, I go back and read this as an adult and I'm just like, oh, no. I look at that oh. definitely with some of the comics I read, including things like year one of like, oh, wow, I can't believe how young I was when I read this. Were you uh, – so you, it sounds like with your not swearing is a, is a youth – that uh, you were not like, uh, or you were a rebellious kid. No, I, I I remember a couple of years ago, I think my dad told me he was still waiting for me to have my teenage rebellion phase, <laughs> like well into adulthood. I was just like, I was good at school and I liked reading a lot. I, I mean, these days when I do like a Hogwarts test, I'm like Gryffindor with a, it's, it's actually about a Gryffindor Slytherin split, but okay. you know. The, the, the thing the thing about the Hogwarts test, it's like, it's not who you are now. It's who were you when you were 10? Yeah. And at 10 years old, I was 100% Ravenclaw. All I cared okay. about were books and grades. <laughs> Which that means that you've evolved into Catwoman, because I think she probably would be Gryffindor Slytherin, right? She would be Slytherin, for sure. You think she'd be all Slytherin? She'd be Slytherin, but she'd be one of, like, the good Slytherins. She'd, yeah. Like, you know, not the one siding with the Death Eaters. Yeah. It's just the ambition and the strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so when you, were you aware that you were reading something that was more adult? Was it like a thrill? Like you were getting a peek into a world that you didn't yet know as a kid? Uh, not so much. It's, it's kind of weird because my parents were pretty strict on what movies I watched in terms of ratings and everything, but they never really censored my reading. So I yeah. was like, I was already reading Stephen King when I was 12. <laughs> so 
uh, for me, it was just, you know, occasionally there'd be like, oh, profanity, ooh, naked people, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it was mostly just like, this is a cool story. And that was kind of the thing that was most important to me. Yeah. So do you then gravitate to that character in the comics or is it the animated series, the well, movie like, or all of them? I like all of them. I mean, I always say there's, uh, especially on screen, there isn't a portrayal of Selena Kyle I haven't liked. Okay. Uh, that notably excludes Halle Berry because she did not play Selena Kyle. <laughs> uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, but, you know, the comics ended up being the long running thing because I jumped on the Jim Ballant 90s series and uh, just rode that through to the end, and it ran for over 90 issues. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he only stayed on for 70-some, but yeah, that was sort of like the core formation of my love of the character in a lot of ways, because it was just like, you know, I read it for years and yeah. years and years through like at least four different writers. Right, walking and, through life with Catwoman. Yeah, basically. So she was sort of there as I grew up, and she was very much evolving into more and more of a hero as time passed because you can't have a book that runs on that long with a character who's entirely, you know, selfish yeah. and just out for herself. Yeah, and even the question of ambivalence of do I want to do the right thing or the wrong thing if you overplay that for 90 issues. Yeah, and I mean... A tiresome. And then when Brubaker came along, he evolved that even more and made her like the protector of the East End and she was basically a full-out hero for... Yeah. quite a while but like this was still like back in the 90s it was very much like the bad girl type hero yeah. so it was just which was funny because the comics were still sort of like very almost pg in a lot of ways like you know sh these days she'd just be like hooking up with people or whatever but yeah. every now and then it would be like she'd kiss someone and then she'd have to go think about it a lot like <laughs> so she was clearly like it was like a weirdly chaste book in a lot of ways yeah. despite like the jim balance sort of bad girl art yeah and did that book sort of allude to this much more adult origin story that had been crafted in year one and her sister's keeper uh they sort of revamped it a bit uh when they did uh the i believe it was the number zero after zero hour okay uh which i think they did ac across the line like zero hour came around i think uh around issue 14 for the catwoman run so it was like i, I jumped on this new book oh reality all just got wiped out cool <laughs> and the, the issue before that happened was fascinating like her cats all get turned into like saber tooth giant cat things because oh, nice. of like time's all wonky and this detective who was sent to hunt her down just like turns into this caveman and is following around yeah. and she doesn't know why and dinosaurs <laughs> it was fascinating yeah that's like just some crazy out there comic book shit like oh yeah the there, reason there to read was comic a lot books, of in that. my opinion there was a lot of that uh but yeah zero hour they kind of made her i think more a dominatrix and they sort of emphasized the dominatrix aspect okay. and less the prostitute aspect and she very quickly like beat up this guy who I don't think they even called her pimp. He was just Stan. Weird, pasty Stan. She sort of like beat him up and left with her little teenage friend, Holly. And that became a whole thing. And okay. then later they did uh, sort of a new year one for her. And it was very much like she ends up in a ninja school. Okay. Yeah, she's so, like, she's trying to steal a thing, a uh, very misogynistic ninja dude is also trying to steal the thing. She tracks him back to the school for ninja, <laughs> where he is training, and the master of the school, who I believe is the armless master, who is the brother of the legless master, who helps train uh, Bruce when he uh, had his back broken. Okay. Anyway, he ends up becoming her teacher. Okay. And he, she's like the only girl in the school. Yeah. And he takes a special interest in her because she's 
I don't know. He he probably is a fan too. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, Sabretooth, Ninjas. This sounds like a great run. Was this for you a private obsession, or did you know other people who are collecting this specific comic book that you could talk to about and interact with, or were you on uh, online discussing Catwoman, or was this just a every month you had your private time with Catwoman? I mean, I had some friends who I think uh, they would read issues occasionally. They weren't following it as much as I were. Most of my friends, I think, at the time were more into X-Men than Batman because it was, you know, it was the Batman, the animated series, and the X-Men, the animated series. And uh, everyone who I was friends with who watched one watched both of them and were fans of both of them, but most of them sort of hewed more toward X-Men on the comic side. Okay. So I definitely had friends who uh, would read some of the stories at a point, but it was mostly it was mostly just me reading. I'd go and get, get the books from the spinner rack at the... Yeah. Probably like Walden Books or something at the mall. <laughs> and where mostly. were you growing up? Uh, Maryland. Maryland, okay. So... Obviously, the Catwoman run influenced you, and you're already thinking as a writer, you said as a kid. Did Catwoman influence your life in other ways? Did you say, like, I could be like her. I could be a badass. I could be a ninja. I mean, what's the statute of limitations on on robbery? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I... I think just continually reading comics really informed me of the medium. And for a long time, I didn't think about writing comics as a thing people did. I think because I knew I wanted to be a writer so young, I very much imprinted on the things that I knew writers did at the time, which was, you know, writers write books. And sometimes they write plays, which are also in books. Because those are the things I read in school. So I I figured out I wanted to be a writer when I was like seven or eight. Uh, So, you know, those were the things that I was focused on for a really long time, even though it's like I obviously watched a lot of TV and movies and read comics and those things all have writers, but I was less aware of the writing aspect of those. Okay. But I still think like spending years reading comics, you know, it very much informed me on how the medium works and the pacing from month to month. Yeah. Uh, So I think it helped me in ways I wasn't expecting at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it was all totally, like, writerly, that the impact. There was never a moment where you were, like, something was making you mad and you wished that you had a cat of nine tails in a cool costume and you could well, just go there, kick the problem's ass. There, I did, uh, as a kid, dress up for Catwoman for, like, three Halloweens in a row. Because, <laughs> like, once you got the costume stuff, it was just easier yeah. to, you know, keep wearing the same costume for a few years and i remember i was at a halloween party and some kid i don't remember what he said but annoyed me and i had the costume whip and i think i thwacked him in the face with it like not didn't do any real damage or anything but it was it was fun and i really liked boots a lot i think because of catwoman to an extent because she always had cool Cool boots boots. yeah so yeah i buy a lot of boots (laughs) okay so those are some good lasting impacts your career boots and at least one whip in the face yeah i think all catwoman fans should have whipped at least someone in the face once uh do you feel like i know i know you are into this period of catwoman because it's when you were reading and it's when it had an impact on you but do you think there is anything like intrinsically 90s about it when you look back at it are you like that would only happen in the 90s I mean, I think maybe mostly the art style is like very, you know, hewed into that time. And it definitely, women's figures became more exaggerating as the series continued, uh, less so than they were early on. Um, But in terms of like the weird plot stuff, I feel like a lot of that is stuff you can still find in comics. Like 
Uh, one of my favorite early stories in the run is uh, Catwoman is hired to go to uh, this island where they're shooting this uh, monster movie from this really popular director, you know, okay. guaranteed to be a huge blockbuster. And they want her to steal the script so they can make rush their own version of the movie out. And, like, beat him to the box office. That's awesome. Which, already, like, fun story. So she, like, gets to the island. There's all this, like, madness with this giant animatronic Godzilla type thing. Because they have, like, a actual, like, size (laughs) animatronic. Like, it doesn't make any sense. This is not how Hollywood works at all. But it was great. And then a hurricane's coming and hitting the island. And then she finds out there is no script. The director's just making it up every day as he goes. And is, like, drinking himself to death. And is, like, (laughs) not letting people leave with the hurricane coming because he wants everything to be destroyed so he can get the insurance payout. Okay. So, like, she has to, like, save these kids and all, like, like, the little child actors in the movie. And it's, like, all this crazy stuff. But she doesn't get what she went to steal. Which is the script. Because it just doesn't exist. So she goes home and spends like the weekend writing the script and <laughs> turns that in. And the movie that's made from the script is a huge box office success, like way beyond what she was paid for. So like yeah. if she had actually been the credited screenwriter, she would have made more money. So did this utterly blow your mind to see you're reading this comic and you're, you like the character, but you're processing how to write from reading this comic book and then the character becomes a writer. Did that like blow your mind? We're like, Catwoman, you're doing it all. You're doing what I want to do. I think, I think at the time it was more just like, man, she's so cool. She can do anything. <laughs> you know, sort of the way like the old Nancy Drew books, like what she could do in each book was very cognizant of what the plot needed. It's like yeah. Nancy's taking tap dancing lessons and she's great. Nancy happens to know all about Persian cats. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very plot specific, which is like, not the worst way to do like a character when you're just trying to have a lot of fun and do weird stories yeah uh absolutely and i think a character that is uh has at least the potential to be empowering to younger readers of you know if you're a really accomplished uh person who's willing to work hard you can figure lots of different things out why couldn't you yeah, and I mean, there's also the idea that she's sort of very much always been like the mirror uh, version of Batman, and yeah. Batman can do anything. Batman's like good at literally everything, except maybe being honest with his like <laughs> adopted family. Yeah, he's so, not good with his feelings, and that's about it. That's yeah, one of my so, favorite things about Batman. Yeah, so just like the fact Batman is always prepared and can do anything, I feel like maybe I gave Catwoman a little more leeway, yeah. because, you know, because they are so similar. Yeah. So how big of a deal uh, in this obsession are actual cats. Do you like actual cats? Do you like them more because of Catwoman? I think I might have more as a kid because of Catwoman because, like, she always had, like, tons of cats around. And uh, the street I lived on as a kid had, like, a feral cat sort of army that, like, lived in the woods behind the houses. Nice. So I just, like, there would just always be cats roaming around, and they they were friendly, and I'd go and play with them, and I'm like, they like me, because I'm cool, like Catwoman. <laughs> uh, but I've actually never had a cat, because I haven't really yet been in a space where it worked to have a cat. Okay. I just, like, go, I'm the person who will go to parties, though, and, like, spend as much time talking to the cats as the people and i love talking to people i just like really like cats too (laughs) when you talk to the cats at parties do you talk to the cats about what's going on in their lives or do you tell the cats like you can't talk about this but here's a comic project i've got coming up or how do you go I mostly just reassure them that they're good cats because i feel like (laughs) everyone needs that sometimes you know absolutely the same thing with dogs it's just like you know you're a good dog you're a really good dog dog yeah 
Uh, now, I think that happens more often with dogs because dogs seem like they're desperate for that validation. And I, I, But I think that's why cats maybe get ignored. Like, you know, people think like cats are just like, you know, they've got it covered. I'm like, I think, no, that we all need somebody sometimes. Right, that there's some insecurity under all that coolness yeah. that cats put out there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the actual meat of the character of Catwoman. She does change a lot in all the different interpretations, but it feels to me like... Uh, the heart of the character is that moral ambiguity of wrestling with ambition versus I'm going to steal because I can versus because I'm going to do a Robin Hood-like thing, all those different back and forth. Do you think that Catwoman was ultimately a, a good role model for you? I mean, I think so. I think, uh, especially looking at the version that I was most familiar with in the comics, was like all of her skill sets essentially came from a place of trying to survive. Yeah. And then not only did she, she survive, she got really good at what she did and she just sort of made a career out of it. And I mean, I think there's something to be said for having the confidence, you know, maybe don't break the law when you do it, but, <laughs> you know, to sort of stay true to this identity that you've created and building a life for yourself. Yeah. Would you want to be friends with Catwoman in real life? Uh, I, most versions, sure. Like, I don't have anything, like, super valuable for her to steal, yeah. so I, <laughs> I think she'd be fun to go shopping with. Yeah. She has great taste, basically, in every incarnation, so. You're not afraid that she would try to steal your scripts? No, they're not, no one would pay enough for that. <laughs> it's comics, man. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, what do you think is, for you, the actual core of the character what connects her all of her different iterations to still being selena kyle uh i think i think uh in a lot of ways like bruce wayne she is what gotham has made her okay you know and it's sort of what she's taken that horrific childhood because basically in all the versions whatever happened to her she had a really bad childhood and was orphaned in fact there's a great panel from a portion of the run I don't love so much, but uh, uh, she's basically brainwashed into helping kidnap Commissioner Gordon, and Batman's trying to talk her down, and she's talking a bit about her childhood, and she mentions something about being an orphan, and he's like, well, I was an orphan too, and she's just like, oh yeah, what orphanage were you in? And he's like, well... So, yeah, she's someone who comes from this crappy city that, like, ruins people. It takes everyone with a PhD and makes them insane. Yeah. Uh, But she sort of became someone who wasn't a victim out of all of that. Yeah. And she became a figure of strength. And sometimes she uses that to help herself. And very often she uh, can be convinced to use it to help others. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love that. She just basically said, screw you. You had, you went to Alfred orphanage <laughs> where you were raised by a cool british guy yeah that big, wasn't that nice what we house. all no actually i like my parents i i, I retract that statement <laughs> do, you say, do we all want to be batman no no <laughs> sometimes sometimes that's interesting about the um uh, it's a, a lovely joke every anyone who has a phd in gotham but i'd never really thought with my own obsession with obsessions which is why i do this podcast because I'm really obsessive and I like talking to people about the things that they're obsessive about, but it never occurred to me that maybe it's because I like Batman a lot. He's like super obsessive. (laughs) He's super obsessive. I thought about that, but I hadn't really connected that that was what was presented to me as a world when I was a kid of like, that's how you get your identity. It's the thing you really like. Gold, that'd be fine. You know, if you watch a television show, eggs. Are you obsessed with eggs? (laughs) That can be your thing. (laughs) You can be egghead. It's great. (laughs) You can be anything you obsess over. That's great. Uh, So 
for you, what is the ideal look for Catwoman? Uh, I mean, I it's it's kind of stuck around the longest. I love the Darwin Cook, like sort of very practical uh, combat type suit, which okay. uh, actually they gave that suit an origin story in a book called Selena's Big Score, which is this amazing heist story that is all Selena Kyle and not Catwoman. Okay. And it sort of bridges the gap between the 90s series and the aught series when uh, Brubaker started because she was sort of presumed dead for six months. Okay. Yeah, in there. but it's comic books. Yeah, but it's her sort of going back and recruiting her old thief mentor who she just totally dicked over. Okay. (laughs) uh, When she started as Catwoman and trying to win back his trust uh, because she needs help pulling off one really big job. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, do you like the cat of nine tails? Or should you always have the the whip? Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like in most recent incarnations, she's had more of a bullwhip thing, and like okay. using, you know, a little bit more Indiana Jones style because it seems like that's more versatile because you can use it to like swing around yeah. buildings, Spider Man style, and grab things from people. Whereas the like actual cat of nine tails is more just like hurting people okay <laughs> fair enough uh but do you feel like a whip is essential like if you saw a new interpretation of catwoman if she got a new solo movie and she didn't have the whip would you be like that's bullshit she has a whip that's part it'd of be, it'd be kind of weird like the, i feel like the whip and the claws are two sort of very iconic things occasionally like a cat helicopter if you go for far, you know <laughs> back far enough but uh, i want to see a total big cat helicopter catwoman yeah that's movie. that's more silver age but <laughs> yeah yeah but i would love that myself uh so what do you think uh, is a good statement for the character to be making at this point in our culture? Obviously, she's like a complicated character because she's she's been a role model. She's been a symbol, but she is she's sometimes good. She's sometimes bad. Obviously, she has been sexualized in ways that I think are probably not pretty cool in some people's minds. And well, I'm actually really excited to see what Joelle Jones is going to do with her because they just uh, announced the upcoming Catwoman solo title again, which okay. is, makes me happy because I think this is the longest she's been without a solo title or as a main player in a uh, team book, Okay, basically since I started reading the character because she hasn't had a title since the New 52 ended. Damn. Um, but, you know, right now it's in the midst of, you know, her, her and Batman getting married and all of that stuff, which I'm a few months behind on reading because comics, you you write them. You don't have time to read them, <laughs> except for all the research you have to do to write them. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, making sure that she still has her own identity that's and she's not just a part of a couple. And I, I yeah. trust uh, Tom and Joelle to, you know, figure out that balance really well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually especially, you know, now that she is so much a part of another story that she is going to have a place to have her own story, too, because I think that'll make sure that we still have that aspect of her identity that's yeah. herself. Okay. I, I also want to be sure to ask, for people who haven't read comic books but are more movie fans, do you think that the Catwoman in Batman Returns is an accurate picture of who the character is? Uh, I mean, that's hard because I really love that version of the character, but to me it is very much a version of a character. It's yeah. like, it's who Catwoman is in a Tim Burton world, which is <laughs> yeah. fine. That's like, that's an amazing, amazing character, but... In terms of the comics, I would say that Anne Hathaway's version is probably the closest. Yeah. And, you know, again, she, was, she wasn't she was a big player in that movie, so they didn't really go into, like, her backstory or anything. But just sort of in terms of personality and the way she pulls jobs and stuff, that's probably the closest to most of the Catwoman comics I've read in yeah. my life. 
And I haven't watched that movie in a while, but as I recall, she has agency. Like, she is making choices oh, yeah. herself and not just being swept along in the plot. And and it's interesting because her solo title in the 90s, the one that I picked up, uh, did spin out of Nightfall uh, because she basically was sort of co-opted into working for Bane against her will. Okay. So, you know, that, that element of the movie did hue back to her launching her own solo title in the comics, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you were Catwoman... <laughs> who would you fight or what would you steal how would you use your awesome powers uh as someone who is a see it's hard because i'm a really big fan of like gem exhibits and museums but i also <laughs> feel like robbing from museums is like really shitty yeah so i really wouldn't want to do that um i don't definitely shiny things uh <laughs> so, some probably someone who's in short see that's a problem i'd be a really bad thief because i feel really guilty about even considering stealing things yeah. it's like well these people seem really nice definitely definitely from like assholes okay definitely from assholes so you, would and, you search out assholes oh yeah to rob from yeah yeah like you know and, and these days it's easy like the people who are like really horrific like the um there was this dude that was there was a viral video going around he was like yelling at people in new york yeah like for speaking spanish in a restaurant you know like people like that guy <laughs> could, so, you would just go take his stuff just to hurt him. Yeah. Teach him a lesson. Yeah, I mean, and that that was sort of a big aspect of a lot of the Catwoman stuff I read. She definitely was like Robin Hood, except for the, like, the give to the poor. It was like, give some to the poor, keep most for myself. <laughs> yeah, she's like a functional business. She's got to keep a little bit yeah. of it, right? She, she's not a non-for-profit. She's a for-profit. <laughs> but she tries to, like, do community service stuff, too. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions oh that I ask everybody uh, or variations of them on all episodes of the podcast. There are no right or wrong answers. Do you think about Catwoman in the 90s every day? Eh, probably not. Okay. But I, I'm a fan of a lot of things. So that's there's a lot of space that's being taken up by different yeah. fandoms. When you think about Catwoman in the 90s, why does it? what happens that it comes into your mind? Is it that something out in the world reminds you of? of Catwoman, how Catwoman would handle it, how your Catwoman would handle it, or is it more like you see an article about it? Uh, uh, a lot of times it's because I'm writing. Uh, Catwoman has been showing up in Mother Panic Gotham AD, uh, nice. starting with issue number two. So, you know, obviously that's going to make me think of my love for the character. And in a lot of ways, the character of Mother Panic herself has uh, at least some superficial similarities to Catwoman. So that's actually something I tried to keep in mind when working on her to make sure she didn't hew too close to a type of character and a okay. type of story we've already seen. And for people who don't know Mother Panic, she is in the Gotham world, right? Yes. And uh, she is, uh, we, we sort of built her with the idea of like, what if you were making a character like Batman in 2016 and that character had never existed? What would a billionaire vigilante look like? Oh, cool. And she's very much like a queer woman out for revenge and like beating up you know tmz paparazzi types and everything so uh you know very much born and raised in gotham female character you know disguise wealthy so yeah there's again some superficial elements there but you know wanted to make violet page very much her own character too cool so when you realized that you were going to be writing Catwoman, well, I guess I should ask, was that an editorial decision or did you say, hey, thanks for letting me write this, for hiring me to write this. Uh, I will be including Catwoman, damn it. Uh, I'm probably closer to the latter, but uh, with Gotham AD, there was a there was a big uh, event called Milk Wars that's 
complicated to explain. It was a DC young animal smashing into the main DC universe book. There was was evil milk. There was a milkman man. (laughs) Reality got weird. Anyway, so uh, Mother Panic ended up in her own version of Gotham. Okay. She didn't make it back to basically the mainline DC universe after the event. So because it's its own continuity, I was able to pull in lots of characters. So okay. of course, like once you're playing with the whole to- toy box, I'm bringing Catwoman in yeah. for sure. And what was that experience like to write this character that you loved so much for the uh, first time? Was it? It's it's stressful because yeah. you're, you know, it's just like, and especially when she's such a minor character, it's like you have to Make sure you're not dumping too much emphasis. It's not like, I mean, hopefully it's not going to be my only chance to get to write her. So it's like, don't try to put everything in because, you know, it's not technically her story here. It's Mother Panic. So she has to be supporting uh, the larger story, but also just, you know, sort of make her true to the cool character that I love and hope that that shines through. Yeah. Was your first instinct with her to make it true to the character that you loved or to put your own stamp on her? Uh, it's a little bit my own stamp because it is, uh, this does take place more in the future of current DC continuity. So she is a little bit older and I've built up what that world looks like. So it's sort of looking at how this alternate reality series of events affected her, which includes Batman disappearing. Okay, cool. And what she did after that. So, which is especially fun considering what's going on in the main books with her now where they're like building a life together. So clearly this would like not be a good thing for her to do. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so I think that answers the question of do you think about Catwoman every day? Obviously not every day, but when you do, you think about her a lot. Yeah, not less when I'm writing Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever tried to sneak her in just to break all the rules? No, well, I mean, I'd have to put in Black Cat, and <laughs> yeah, it, would be, it would be weird. When people walk into your home, can they immediately tell you're obsessed with Catwoman in the 90s? Uh, I mean, it's along with a lot of other things. I mean, I think the Star Wars stuff might outnumber it at this point. But like Star Wars has a lot of characters and this is more one character. But I've definitely and I've eased up on collecting stuff over the years just because there's been so much Catwoman stuff. Uh, there was a period I tried to get like every figure and statue that came out, but really? then like a bunch of the really cool stuff came out uh, during a stretch while I was unemployed in LA. And by the time I got like a job and had, you know, sort of disposable income again, it was all selling for like four times on the secondhand market. And I'm like, really? Yeah. So now it's just like the stuff that's like, you know, stuff that I can swing and that uh, is not, you know, too too much like stuff I already have, you know, okay. something that's a little bit different. Uh, I did manage to get an animation cell from Batman the Animated Series of oh, Catwoman nice. a while ago. So. What is she doing in the cell? Uh, I think she's just sort of like, I have claws. And <laughs> yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so there is enough Catwoman stuff, though, that when somebody walks into, like, say, your living room, they're going to see Catwoman if they look around a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, I have statues and stuff and figures up of all kinds of things. And Catwoman is definitely in the mix. Okay. Okay. Just in the mix, though. Not super, not clearly above the others. No, I, I mean, I am I have new shelves to put up. So also, once I rearrange everything, and a lot of stuff still ha- hasn't been unpacked since my last move. So once uh, the dust settles, we'll see what it looks like. Okay. But at the moment, everything's sort of all jumbled together. Fair enough. If you were trapped in an elevator with four other people, how long would it take for Catwoman in the 90s to come up in conversation? Uh, I think it depends, like, on what t-shirts everyone's wearing. Because if someone's <laughs> wearing, like, a Star Wars or a Doctor Who shirt, like, that's yeah. going to take up a lot of conversation. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So if everybody was wearing uh, no logos on their T-shirt, strange uh, brandless elevator, nobody has anything on their T-shirts. I just wouldn't talk to people. Talking to strangers <laughs> in elevators weird. Like, but you're trapped there. The I, elevator has stopped. Do you shut down? Do you just be like, I'm, uh, I understand we're in this situation together. Don't speak to me. Uh, how long are we trapped? Uh, let's say an hour. An hour, I'd probably be like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I write comics. Oh, what comics do you like? And then, it, you know, the conversation might work its way around okay. to characters. Okay. So, yeah. But I do like the boldness of the choice of I will not speak to people <laughs> in elevators. Elevators are like one of the only places I, I it's weird talking to people. I know. I, the elevator in my apartment building is the exact right time to feel rude if you don't begin a conversation, but there is no time for an actual conversation. Yeah. And I like having conversations if they can actually have any sort of weight. I, I like pretending I have phone reception and I'm checking something <laughs> on my phone, even though I usually don't. I think that is a very good tactic. Would you perform karaoke dressed as Catwoman? I would definitely perform karaoke. Uh, I don't know if I would do karaoke in costume. I, I mean, for Halloween is like really the only time I dress up in costume these days. I yeah. can't do... Uh, uh, cons in costume or cosplay just because I write for too many publishers and like it's weird to dress up as a DC character and then go be on a Marvel panel. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, for Halloween, for sure I would do it if yeah. I was dressed as Catwoman for Halloween. Yeah. Well, I know you like karaoke because I've seen you talking about it on social media. Yes. Uh, so to me, karaoke is an outgoing thing where you're really putting yourself out there. Obviously, you're singing in front of uh, sometimes strangers, usually people you know, but also strangers. Mm -hmm. In general, are you the kind of person who wants to broadcast your interest to other people? Um, hmm. It's, I mean, I feel like in terms of people I know, it just comes up. Like, everyone yeah. I know is a geek or a creative person in some way. Uh, and I feel like that just sort of comes out when you meet new people, usually. Yeah. Especially because pretty much everyone loves something geeky these days. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I guess, you know, if it, I don't know if broadcast, just like in general, like, you know, I don't run down the street screaming <laughs> like, I love Catwoman. But, you know, it, it does come up when you're meeting people, I feel like, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask it this way. When you are at a convention, do you want to engage with people about Catwoman or is there a thing where you want it to be private? Like for me, for some interests, like... I would be happy to talk to people about certain things. And other things, I feel like I don't want to have the same old... Like, I like the Star Wars prequels. I understand lots of people have problems with them. I don't want to wear a prequel t-shirt at a convention on certain days because I don't want to have that conversation again and again. Is Catwoman something where you want to be, like, loud and proud and it's on your shirt? It's basically an invitation for it to come up as a topic. I mean, I think... I mean, this is the second, like... I mean, besides doing this podcast where I'm talking about it, I did... Uh, uh, Alpha Comic Book Club a few months ago where yeah. we took a look at the first volume of the trade collection of the 90s yeah. run because it's the first time it's come out. So I'm pretty sure like, you know, continually talking about it publicly <laughs> on, you know, different platforms probably means I'm okay talking about it. <laughs> yes, that you want to be engaged about it. Yes. All right, good. Would you go to a Catwoman themed escape room? Yes. <laughs> that that just sounds awesome. It sounds like you would have to like be Catwoman and be trying yeah. to pull off a job. That actually sounds like a great theme for an escape room. Yeah. Feel free to take that escape room makers. Would you fight with a friend or family member who said the 90s Catwoman was stupid? Uh, I'd probably more want to engage them and ask them why and then tell them all the awesome storylines that show they're wrong. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
that's usually everybody's answer to that question, which is great because that means that I have people on the podcast who don't want to fight, <laughs> which yeah. is a wonderful human thing. But what I'm interested in is if that tactic didn't work, if the calm discussion, sharing of viewpoints didn't work, and somebody was so belligerent as to keep saying it's stupid, does Catwoman mean enough to you that you would actually get angry and maybe lose your temper? Uh, I like to think I wouldn't get angry about, like, any any of that sort of thing. Like, no matter, like, if people... I know people who don't like Star Wars. I know people who don't like Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, they pay my, my bills, which I feel like is like a winning argument. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you might not like them, but they allow me to like eat food and pay rent. Don't, do you like me eating food and paying rent? <laughs> so you would just try to get to that point of the argument yes. and just uh, drop the mime mic and walk away from it. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that answers my question because I think I think it implies you would fight a little bit, yeah. but that you would have a winning argument. Yeah. I mean, the winning's the important thing here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If Catwoman was real and had a GoFundMe page, would you support it? I mean... Yes, but I'm kind of wondering why she would have a GoFundMe page. I'm assuming it's like one of her 50,000 cats has like needs surgery, but she should be able to afford it, man. I'm like, I I would want to support, but I'd also be like, like, are you not investing well, lady? What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. A thief should not need a GoFundMe page. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions there. should be able to find an asshole to take a gem from. Yeah. So would you, would you question it then? Would you have to investigate it or would you just say, Catwoman, yep, of course, I love you, click? Uh, I'd at least contribute like five bucks okay you know but i'd also probably be checking into what was going on there because it's weird (laughs) would you be more or less likely to vote for a political candidate who just kept talking about catwoman like in speeches like uh, any any if somebody asked about the environment the politician would go well let me tell you about a time that catwoman did something about the environment i would actually be a little wary just because you know she is a thief and if a politician is really (laughs) idolizing a thief that much that's maybe questionable so i definitely want to do some digging there (laughs) so is although catwoman did run for mayor of new york she did. It's one of my favorite uh, storylines uh, from that 90s run. It was uh, the tail end of Devin Grayson's run. And she basically had left Gotham because it was after the big earthquake and No Man's Land and everything. Yeah. So she left and she went to New York and she decided if the government was going to take Gotham away from her, she was going to steal New York City. <laughs> so she did through this crazy series of events. She set herself up as a major, major financial genius, mostly by breaking into the... Uh, uh, where, where did they Wall Street? Yeah, and like rigging, rigging some stuff with the trading, <laughs> and then like made this company that she had also blackmailed her way into being VP of like a ton of money, and then used that as a springboard to run for mayor. <laughs> of, I love of that New I, York. I love that I can't come up with questions that are ridiculous enough that they didn't actually happen in this run of '90s Catwoman. Yeah, no, it was great. And then the mob hired like every DC assassin at the time to try to kill this upstart Selena Kyle. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Did she actually get to be mayor? No, she ended up having to fake her own death. Uh (laughs) in part uh because oh crap, now I'm forgetting which villain uh one of the flash rogues. Uh crud. I'm forgetting who. Uh, uh, Trickster okay. figured out her idea, figured out that Selena Kyle was Catwoman. So to try to cover up that, she tried to make it look like Catwoman was the one who succeeded on the hit. Okay, nice. So, so it was like a whole thing. And then she went back to Gotham after that. But 
All right, if you found a lost Catwoman comic from the 90s that has just, you didn't know it existed even, even with the power of the internet, you find this trade paperback, it's brand new to you, but as you're about to read it, a bear steals it. Would you try to get it back from the bear? Yes. (laughs) I don't know why a bear would be in my apartment, first of all, so that would just be like a weird, I feel like this this actually just sounds like a dream. Yeah. Because, you you know, you find things that you didn't know existed in dreams, and then bears randomly appear. So in a dream, I would definitely go after the bear. Okay. But if you were... You thought you were lucid. You thought you were awake and lucid, and you you just look up. You're so engrossed in this comic book. You're cracking it open. The door to your apartment is open, and a bear's there. Grabs a comic book. You go after it. That was your initial gut reaction. Yeah, it's probably not a good reaction. <laughs> it's, not, it's a great reaction. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, honestly, I'd probably be like, why is there a bear? What is going on? <laughs> well, of course you would. But I appreciate your honesty because I ask everybody the bear question. And most people try to barter with me. They say, how big is the bear? They say, you know, oh, could I try to talk with the bear? And you just said yes immediately. I mean, just my instinct would probably be to grab the book. And then my second instinct would be like, no, run, run. <laughs> no, run. Don't die. Like, try to get the book and run. Also, like, what can the bear read? Like, this is a, this is a, lot a strange... There's a lot of questions to be asked. Yeah. If you want to include a bear in a future Catwoman comic book, I would be honored. Okay. And you could answer some of these questions for both of us. Okay. <laughs> I asked everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise can you make uh, that uh, reflects your love of this run of Catwoman? Yay. I don't know. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind. Yay. Uh, is that a general reaction to all the things you love, probably, is to say yay. What specifically, uh, is there a Catwoman noise you would make? Oh, like a, I'm trying to do, I, like a, like a whip crack sound, maybe. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, do you w- feel like you want to, I know I've asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you again. Do you feel like you want to ever want to be like Catwoman? Like, I half expected you to meow or purr or make some sort of like Catwoman-like noise. But is that just not how you connect with the character? It's not yeah, about no, being not the really. character? I, I think like her confidence, if that's one thing I could take, because yeah. she's much more of a confident person than I am in terms okay. of her characterization. That would be the one thing I would take away okay. more than anything. So Okay, so if it was a cat noise, it would at least be a very confident cat noise. Yes, exactly. Meow. Yes. I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I ask everyone to uh, rate their obsession. Uh, Because it's cats, why don't we uh, do a scale of one to nine, Uh, nine being the highest, one being the lowest. How obsessed do you think you are with Catwoman? Uh, I would say like six. Six, okay. probably the top of most of the people I know, but definitely probably tied with some people. There's, you know, I know Catwoman cosplayers, so I feel like they're definitely taking it a step or two further than I am. Yeah. Um, I feel like six is like a good solid yeah yeah and are there other things that you think uh you go higher than catwoman oh uh it's it's one of those things it's like trying to figure out the levels of which you like different things it, yeah it really varies from day to day like yeah. you know when i'm working on a star wars thing and i'm really entrenched in star wars or a new star wars movie is coming out yeah. like everything is star wars yeah I, I would say these days like star wars is probably the highest just in terms of like branded jackets that I buy. Like, I could get rid of my entire wardrobe except for Star Wars things, and I would still have, like, a full wardrobe. Yeah. So that's probably higher these days. Okay, I think that is a but good I, expression. I'm, al- I'm also, like, doing a lot of Star Wars comics, so 
you know, they're it's paying my bills more than Catwoman is. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I think that is great. Uh, and I might, I might offer that you're at least a six point five because you said yes to the bear question okay. right away. So <laughs> a bear, a bear is an extra half a point. <laughs> at least, at least fighting a bear, or at least going after a bear, gives you a half a point more. Uh, can you give uh, people where they can find you on social media? Yes, I am on Twitter at Jody underscore Hauser, and I am on Instagram at Mind Eclipse. And obviously people can support you by buying your comics, but is there a place that is best for you that you like people to track the comics down? Um, no, that's kind of, I always encourage people to buy whatever platform works best for them. If it's, you know, buying a trade at their bookstore, yeah. uh, I mean, picking up monthly issues at your local comic book stores are always sort of like the best way to help the industry overall. But, you know, if you're a person who... You know, you don't have the disposable income or the space and you prefer to wait for trades. That's totally fine. Cool. Cool. Here are some quick plugs for this show and then we will get on to our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we're obsessed with right now. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final questions. They don't have anything to do with your main obsession, but they can if you want. If the city of Los Angeles made a statue of you, what would you want to be doing in the statue? Uh, If it was going to be accurate to life, I would probably be sitting awkwardly in front of a computer, like, looking like I'm making, like, pterodactyl screeching noises in frustration. Because that's, and, like, with, like, three cups of tea next to me. That's the most accurate. I would love to just be walking through a city park and come across a statue of a person bent over a computer uh, screaming in. I, I will say there was a, when they did a run of, like, one-offs for Critical Role at the end of last year, I yeah. appeared as an NPC in the middle of the apocalypse, and I was still, like, crouched trying to get writing done because I had deadlines coming, <laughs> and I'm like, everyone knows what I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you write in public a lot, don't you? Yeah, I actually, I like having large phones because I get writing done on my phone when I can. Yeah. Have yeah. you done any writing during the podcast? I have not done any writing okay. during the podcast. I, I don't think I even really check my notes that much during the yeah, podcast. Yeah, so. very impressive. If you could write a word or phrase in the moon, what might it be so everyone can see it? Oh, gosh, I kind of want to do the tick reference. <laughs> <laughs> the, just the cha. <laughs> that would be great. Because what if you can't like make a nerd reference, what's the point? <laughs> would you be interested to see whether or not people got it? Or would it just please you to look up and see it? Uh, it would make me happy. I feel like if like if I want to do that and not enough people, then you just do like the bat logo. Yeah. Which is also a you know a great reference. It's just like, you know, like the, the bat fly or the, the, the bat, bat wing, wing yeah, yeah. went up and just never came down. It's hung there for a second and now it's hanging there forever. Yeah. That is awesome. You mentioned your notes. Is there anything that you wanted to share before we wrap up the podcast that you didn't get a chance to? Uh, there was a fascinating collection of short stories uh, that was called The Further Adventures of Batman Volume 3 featuring Catwoman. It's really weird. Like, I, it's been ages since I read them, so I can't even comment on the quality of them. But yeah. just in terms of, like, seeing a bunch of different portrayals of a character in one collection, it was really fascinating. And, like, all of those uh, Further Adventures of Batman collections okay. have some gems in them. Actually, I think the best one was in the uh, Joker collection, which is a story called... Uh, 
what is it? Comedy is easy. Die- no, dying is easy. Comedy is hard, yeah. I believe, which is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and a joke. Great Joker story. Cool. Further Adventures of Batman. Yes. And those are 90s era as well? Yes. And they are edited by uh, Martin H. Greenberg, who like just edited like tons of anthologies back around that era, as far as I can tell. Okay, cool. Cool. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? <sighs> happiness is... Right now, happiness is finishing all my de- work before the deadline. <laughs> uh, Do you feel the most joy when you're in the midst of writing and like you have a breakthrough or you write a scene or a line that you're really happy with? Or is the happiness truly when you hit send, it's done, and you're just like, ah. It's all of those things, really. I mean, I feel like there's definitely writers I know who don't love the process so much but I feel like if I didn't love the process I wouldn't want to be a writer because that's just like a lot of work to get to the huh it's done moment yeah um I happiness is a good story okay so I'll put it that way (laughs) so and that would include the beginning the middle and the end yes excellent thank you so much for doing the podcast thank you for having me that is our podcast You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Uh, One of my favorite stories from Batman the Animated Series was one of the weirdest episodes, which was Tiger Tiger, where she gets kidnapped by a crazy scientist and turned into like a half cat, half human hybrid to be the mate of this giant cat creature he's made. (laughs) Like, you know, that... Yeah, regular Tuesday. Yeah. In Gotham. Yeah. These things happen. Yeah. <laughs>